in brightest day, in blackest night, all other podcasts tremble in fright. Everybody, I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble, and this is the Venom Cast, <laughs> episode one of that, but episode three thirty nine of our normal show. <laughs> yeah, welcome to the Lantern Cast, guys. Where we are obviously, if you can tell by the title, if you can tell by the intro music, if you can tell by what I just said, we are obviously talking about the Venom movie. This will be a spoiler filled review. This is going. We're going to talk about everything: the good, the bad, the ugly. Well, I'm just, because of uh, you know how deep Mark goes into the the movie world, we're going to talk about the audience reception, the critics' reception. We're doing it all. So, where should we start? Wherever you want to, Chad. <laughs> and, and, and initial impressions. Yeah, that works. Okay. Um, so I saw it uh, opening night, Thursday night. Eight o'clock at uh, Alamo Draft House here in Austin, and I was wearing my my Funko shirt that I got with my my uh, Marvel Collector Core box. If you haven't seen that video, go to our YouTube page and check that out. Um, plug, <laughs> and uh, uh, you know I, I'm I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying the movie. Uh, I will say the first few minutes. This is a criticism that you see a lot uh, on the reviews you you, you uh, read online and video reviews and stuff you've been hearing. Uh, the first few minutes of the film, I was kind of like, uh, okay, let's let's get there. But once we got there, I was really excited about it. Part of me, uh, I was laughing quite a bit throughout the movie, and for the Kind of like the first third of my in uh, of, the, of the way into my various you know moments of laughter, I was thinking to myself in the back of my head, should I be laughing this much at a Venom movie? And then I was just like, I'm not forcibly laughing, I'm genuinely laughing, so I'm clearly enjoying myself. So I just stopped criticizing and just was like, fuck it, I'm going to enjoy the ride. And once I did that, I was just I was having so much fun. Um, you're going to, you're going to, I don't know uh, about Mark's experience, but you're going to, you guys are going to hear, uh, once, once we can start talking about audience versus critics, this is, this is a sentiment shared by quite, quite, uh, quite a few people. If you, if you break it down, if you want to, you know, just give it that hardcore critical eye, fine. It's not the best movie in the world, but did you have fun in the theater? Everybody else seems to be like, yeah, go see it. I had a lot of fun. And that's kind of the way I came out of it. And plus, we know I went in with a super low bar of, is it better than Spider-Man 3? And yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Now, does it did it live up to expectations in terms of being everything a Venom movie can be? Based on my knowledge of the character, based on my passion of the character, based on where I ranked this film when we did the episode where we were looking forward to the movies in 2018. No. Was I let down? Was I disappointed in this film? No. 
It didn't live up to all my expectations. It wasn't the best movie of the year, but I had a ton of fun watching it. And I loved seeing Venom on the screen. Anytime it happened, I was super excited. Um, I don't know where else to go into that without getting into more specific details. So that's my sort of initial reaction. Uh, Mark, go ahead, man. Eh, no, I'm only kidding. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this movie sucked. <laughs> starting with the that bar of Spider-Man 3. Oh, yes, it's much better than Spider-Man 3. Um, then again, a blank screen probably would have been better than Spider-Man 3. Uh, but I would say it. From an enjoyment level, certainly I liked it better than Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> I liked it better than Justice League, too, and I didn't hate either one of those movies, so that's a plus. It was fun. It was – now, I'm not going to lie, which was embarrassing. I, I, I don't quite know how this happened, but I did doze off at one point in this movie. And I actually – I dozed off – I actually missed the part when he picked up – when he actually got infected with Venom. <laughs> he was he was already escaping, having been infected. I don't know what happened, but I – but. I don't know how long I was out for, but it was, had nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> but that was just for the complete honesty here. I've been doing that a lot lately. I fell, I fell asleep in the house with the clock in its walls, too. I just better not do it for Halloween. <laughs> uh, so, no, it was enjoyable. A lot, a lot of the things people – a lot of the general critiques of the movie, I think, are accurate because in a way, like a lot of people have said, it's not so much that people disagree with what's – in the movie or how the movie uh, – what it gives you is just whether it satisfies you or not. That's the only thing people disagree on, and obviously most of the critics didn't were not satisfied, but you know, Michelle Williams was kind of wasted. She didn't have that much to do in the movie. I mean she was good right. in it. She was good in it whenever she was, but it's Michelle Williams. You would expect her to be good, but she, but she was not. She was a factor to Eddie, but as far as the movie goes, you know, you know, she was really not. She didn't have that that much to do. They conveniently gave her stuff to do, I think, just so the part would, wouldn't be a complete waste, <laughs> like at the end and thing and things like you know, in the final battle and things like that. But the clearly the Venom Eddie relationship that was the best part of the movie. There's no doubt about that. That's that's where a lot of the humor came from, and that's and. I think the special effects for Venom were good. I thought the, but we know, but we, and this isn't like a unique criticism of superhero movies because we get this a lot. There's a lot of cliche stuff in the movie. You know, the bad guy is kind of cliche. The, you know, his, his, you know, his hit team, you know, kind of cliche, and you know, always, always, always a head security guy who's a, who just who's a grade A dick who you just looking, who you just can't wait till he gets his beat down and his comeuppance and things like that and. I, I did kind of like that. It seemed like a lot of the people you know, working in the lab actually did have a conscience. <laughs> they were afraid. Yeah. They were they were being bullied. They were being uh, bullied and and threatened in every other way possible, basically to not rock the boat. But I did kind of like the fact that it wasn't just one you know one one person going rogue who seemingly had a conscience about what they were doing with the with the guinea pigs to try to get some kind of. Uh, perfect match with the symbiotes and, and a host so I, I liked it I thought I thought it was cool I thought it worked I thought considering what they did it worked without Spider-Man in it I think they I think that, not that it seems to have hurt the, you know their box office at all but it probably would have been it would not have been a, the worst thing in the world eh, 
from a box office perspective, it probably was better not to make it clear that Spider-Man was not in the movie. Because, of course, coming into the movie, we all heard the rumor that Spider-Man and or you know, Tom Holland was might be in it. And, of course, he's not in it at all. So... But from a box, no, we do get a we do get a mention of New York, uh, the Daily Globe, all this stuff. Yeah, we get and so. we get the and we get the tie-in with you know with uh, John with John Jameson, the the, mm-hmm. the the astronaut who we don't know whether he lived or died. We don't know that. Uh, but that so that's obvious. That's that that's a throw-in and, and also the and it's also a throw-in for Man Wolf, obviously, since we know that's what that's the main character that. That John Jameson became in, in Spider-Man lore. That's his biggest claim to fame as being Man-Wolf. Uh, but uh, yeah, they, they, they obviously tie, they they do tie it. They do tie it into New York and things like that. So I, it was yeah. I, I I enjoyed it. I would be curious to I'd be curious to see. I'd be interested in the sequel certainly more than I would for you know Suicide Squad two and things like that, or so it it definitely is not a movie that I am not I am unhappy about the fact that it's done well and we're gonna and we're almost guaranteed to get a sequel. So yeah, so that was my uh, yeah. So there's a couple of aspects of the film we should we should probably take a look into now. Normally we would probably save this for later, but we should probably get into it now, considering even after the movie oh before the movie opened. While the movie was on opening night, and now after opening night, it's still the most talked about thing. In fact, I've seen several actual memes about it, um, is the critic score versus the audience score. Uh, yep. Specifically, I guess we're referring to Rotten Tomatoes, but uh, you know how, like, um, just as an example of a meme, you remember during Thor Ragnarok uh, when Hela was, uh, like, telling Thor, you know, you believe you can defeat me, and then Thor points back, but no, but he can. <laughs> and that's when Surtur comes busting out of the, right. the, the palace. So this is, uh, this is like, you know, uh, like <laughs> Rotten Tom- or Venom or uh, rot- uh, not Venom. This is Venom. They, they put the, the Venom logo over Thor's face, and they put <laughs> the, the critic's score over Hela's face <laughs> and said, you know, you think you can defeat me? <laughs> and this no, but they can. <laughs> and and Sutter is the audience score. Um, so we, we should definitely talk about that. Mark, I want to – I mean I'm not you – know, I'm obviously going to chime in, but I want to turn that over to you since – you know, production, budget, all that stuff is stuff that you're actually into. So what do you see with, with in relation to all that and compared to, like, other movies, the way they perform and stuff like that? Well, I mean, obviously it's always a little weird when you have a huge discrepancy between the audience score and the uh, the critic score. And we've seen – and obviously we've seen it go opposite ways. We've seen uh, – we've seen – We've seen the whole gamut. We've seen like I think BVS in which the audience score and the critic score were relatively close because everybody hated it. And we saw Last Jedi where the critics just were drooling over themselves over it. But you know, Last Jedi is like forty five percent with the critic and no Russian hackers. No, that's not the reason why. Idiots! <laughs> My God! <laughs> like we, I think we mentioned, they have nothing better to do with their time than to. to, to we must thank Last Jedi. <laughs> uh, so this is this is kind of interesting that it is. I mean, I think it's it's a pretty wide gap though, from twenty nine percent for the critics to eighty nine percent for the audience. And I guess from a from a 
studio perspective, that's exactly what you would want. If you if somebody told you 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 were going to have an eighty nine twenty nine split, which way do you want it? This is the way you want it. <laughs> so it is it is interesting. Now, to be fair, if you look at the average rating, uh, the critic rating for Venom, it's it's four and a half. So that means it, you know. People didn't hate it. It means the critics themselves, and that's what we talked about before when it comes to Rotten Tomatoes, putting it in the perspective of if a movie gets 29%, that doesn't mean like you know people think it's like that's the like, like that's the average score of the movie. It doesn't mean that critics think basically it's like it's like a it's like a three out of ten. No, all that means is the number of when you look at the number of reviews, you look at the positive versus the negative. Only 29% of the positive review, only 29% gave it a positive review, but it doesn't mean that. It could be a case where a movie was really tight. You know, it could be like a huge chunk of that, of all the all the people who gave it a negative review. It could be like 50, 60 percent of the people that gave it negative reviews were like right on the cusp of giving it a positive. Like it might have been like a five or something like that, where it wasn't quite positive, but it but it was close. So it's misleading. It's kind of like the Electoral College, <laughs> where where. Well, if all the you lose all these states by a close margin, you, you're gonna you could get blown out. When actually, if you look at you know if in the individual states that mattered, it was close, and a few things could have gone a different way. But so I think it's but it's it's really good. It's really good and kind of surprising. I think it's kind of surprising that the movie had a 89 percent, considering not just the bad hype, but it did have to overcome you know the stench of that first trailer and just an overall the idea of whether Venom was going to be able to be workable. Really, not from a special effects perspective, but from without, but without a character that has his tie to Spider-Man so inherently to just do an origin story and to do a movie without having any ties to Spider-Man at all, whether you could pull it off and make it interesting, and whether people would like it. And obviously, the answer to that is yes. You know, the production budget on this movie is only is you know is only estimated for a, for a hundred million. Uh, so. And it's made 225 million worldwide, so it's pretty much in. It's it's pretty much going to turn a profit, even if we go with the traditional model, doubling the production budget. You have to make that much back. It's already done that, so it's yeah. It's it's. I think obviously it's it's big. For, it's big for Sony from the perspective of whether this does not, of course, mean that every single one of their kind of crazy ideas to, to do all these Spider-Man villain spinoffs are going to work. What's what's the next one? Morbius? Morbius is supposed to be the next one, which is really gutsy if they're going to go with Mor- I mean, I like Morbius. I've always had a tie. I've always kind of liked Morbius because he's not, you know, which is it's easy to do because he's not really inherently a bad guy. You know, really. You know, he's not, you know, it's, but it's a tough sell. More, I mean, Morbius has got an exact... I mean, Spider-Man has a great rogues gallery, but Morbius has to be a, a C-tier rogues mm. gallery member. Uh, obviously, we've been talking more about Craven. There's a lot. There was news about Craven today. Uh, so, Craven's another. But at least Craven have acknowledged that Craven will have Spider-Man in it. <laughs> so, because it would be really hard to pull off Craven. Uh, now, they, do you, yeah. Do you, do you think they're actually going to do Craven's last time? No, because he can't. Yeah, I mean, remember they said they wanted to like borrow things from it, or th- I mean, they could touch upon it, they could lead into it. You can't. I mean, if if Spider, I mean, let's put it this way: if Spider-Man and Craven haven't met in, in a Spider-Man movie before, then no. How can you do that? How, I mean, we've correction. We know we've seen people do this crap before, as we've as we're 
talk about it at the end of the episode. We're seeing them doing it again with Dark Phoenix. I mean, you're making, you're turning a character and in, in almost like the definitive story for this character when we barely know this character, and it's really mm-hmm. shaky to do that. We've seen we've seen variations on it. Sometimes works like Civil War was a variation on that that they were managed to pull off because it didn't seem like there was a way you could do that. Not forget about you know the you know the registration act aspect of it. Just the fact that we never saw Tony and Steve be that close. So how could them breaking up be that big deal? But the Russos did it in a way where it worked. We realized mm-hmm. we realized by them breaking up and the way they're breaking up how much they actually cared about each other and how relevant they were to each other. So I don't think they would do. I don't think the Craven's Last Hunt thing is. I don't. I, so, I, but you never know, man. It's going to be inter, interesting on that front. Now, if they wanted to do, they they could do. I was, was thinking about this. Obviously, that there's Spider-Man has tons of villains, including the Lizard. They could actually do something with Craven, tying him to Spider-Man without having Spider-Man be the active main character in that movie, but yet still be a part of that universe. Uh, hmm. Even Manwolf, even speaking of, even a man like Manwolf, a thing like that would be something perfect for Cra- for Craven to want to hunt down. But it's an interesting idea, you know, and what they're still supposed to do with Black Cat and Sable and oh. shit like that. Like, I think yeah, Silver Sable, Black Silver Cat. Sable, yeah, they, it's like they're gonna yeah. go. They're, they're, they will go to the well too many times with this. I think, especially if they're if a lot of these movies are not gonna have Spider Man in it. And you have to. well, well. I mean, before that, we get too far into that. Let's let's just say we're talking about the audience score. It's clearly you said it's it's most likely going to get a sequel. It's almost a foregone conclusion at this point. If this movie was enough of a success to generate a a sequel for them, then that's going to give them some some uh, gusto to really go for it. But seeing the critic reception, seeing like how uneasy people were going into the idea, maybe that'll cause them to make enough changes to where something like Morbius and Craven and, and black hat and stuff before they make them, they'll be able to fix those problems that people were hesitant about those things, those issues they did see in venom and so on and so forth before they even make these films. It'd be one thing if they were doing the DC, if, the DC model, there was already a movie almost, almost done. <laughs> Exactly. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, you, you, you follow the model of DC where this this movie you say that's coming out like next month uh, is supposed to change this, this and this from what you didn't like before. Like, for instance, Suicide Squad. What didn't you like about Batman versus Superman? Blah, 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 blah. Well, Suicide Squad is going to be completely different. And blah, well, we don't know if this new formula is going to work, but by the time you you see Suicide Squad, the other DC movie coming after it has already been filmed, post production is done, and it's coming out in a few months. Like you're you're gambling now two films on this new idea that you've done. Like that makes no sense. Whereas this seems to be a much more doesn't 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 mean Sony's fantastic at everything they do, but it sounds like they're being a, at least a little bit cautious about it. Yes, I mean I, I see so the good the good thing for Sony is because a lot of the criticism for the movie is that it's kind of uneven, that there's a lot of that some things really the things that work really work, but things that don't work really don't work. And that was that's part of the criticism and the fact that it just seemed like there were a lot of ideas thrown into this movie and you know pretty much the only ones that actually work well are just the ones when it's Eddie and Venom. <laughs> so because the movie's a financial success, 
that they do have a little more leeway now because they can realize that this is what people this is what people say they liked and this is what either they didn't like so much and or this is what the critics hated that so now they can yes there there's room for that now that now the negative to that of looking at whether they as far as whether they can apply this as a learned lesson to all these other characters is venom is kind of a unique case because venom is kind of like a cult character and venom does have a, a, a unique following amongst uh, mm-hmm. the, especially the Spider-Man villains. I mean, Craven the Hunter is—he doesn't have that kind of group. Certainly, Black Cat and Silver Sable and Morbius certainly. I mean, it's like it's not. I mean, they're known. Well, I mean, I'll say this. I'll say this for Craven. I don't mean to interrupt you. Venom doesn't necessarily have a story arc that people point to as passionately as people who are fans of Craven point to and hold up Craven's Last Hunt. I mean, Venom, don't get me wrong, Venom's been around a long time and has a bunch more storylines than Craven, so you do have your pick of the litter. And and the, the various interpretations of Venom, whether he's the full-on villain, whether he's an anti-hero, whether he's a hero, whatever your interpretation of, vil- of, of Venom, some crowds and camps of Venom fandom are, are or aren't going to like it. Whereas people who like Craven as one of maybe their top five or whatever Spider-Man villains, everybody loves Craven's last hunt. So that, they're, that is, they're more unified in that. That way. is, that is true. But, but again, there's pros and cons with that. It may, it would mean that if, if for some reason you knew this movie is Craven movie, which would kind of be still weird to introduce this character and yet <laughs> introduce him in his last story, uh, that, well, people would be interested in seeing that and to, to seeing how they adapt it. It also puts a lot of pressure on them too. It also create, increases the odds if they were going to do that route, as we've seen with the Dark, Fe- you know, with the Dark Phoenix story. As we, even though people overall like Days of Future Past, that that's still that's that's you know one of the most beloved and well-regarded X-Men stories. Period. Too. So when you do when you start adapting these stories. It could be really good, or you could get the joke of, BV, of BVS, how they ruined the death of Superman. Hmm. How they ruined the death of Superman and pretty much screwed up being able to do the reign of the Superman. All in, all in like a 30-minute section of the movie. <laughs> it's like, yay! <laughs> no! Uh, so, but yeah, I, I give Sony credit, and so at least Sony has the benefit. You know, Sony does have the benefit because of the fact that at least they have Spider-Man. You know, more. I mean, the MCU doesn't really have Spider-Man. They have, they, they have, they're borrowing Spider-Man. I would be stunned if that agreement between the two of them isn't re, isn't re-upped and renegotiated because it benefits everybody. The MCU gets to use Spider-Man, and that's a benefit to them. And Sony gets, to, and like the payback was in uh, Homecoming was, well, we get, we want some of your, of, of your MCU characters in our movies. So that's why, and they, that's why Tony Stark was in that. <laughs> Not just Tony Stark, but that's why you know Robert Downey Jr. was the big one that they you know that they c- clearly wanted, and we know we know Nick Fury is in uh, Far From Home. There's still I'm, I'm would be willing to bet you there's going to be other MCU characters in that movie as well. Hmm. So, but I think that's part of what Sony wants in return. It's like, hey, yeah, you can keep using Spider-Man, but we just want to keep you know when but in our Spider-Man when we do our Spider-Man movies, we want you to throw in some other Marvel characters. Because they benefit from that, so I'm sure that's going to I'm sure that's going to continue. And, and but Sony gets to use Spider-Man in any Spider-Man movie that any related project that they want, so and of their own, so they could do 
they want to do a sinister. They if they resurrect the idea of the Sinister Six movie, which they probably are building towards again, that they can do that. They can do that and have Spider-Man in it, even if it's you know, even if Spider-Man, if it's not a Spider-Man movie, but it's a Sinister Six movie, they can still do that and have Spider-Man in it whenever they want. It's not like not like they have to go to Marvel and say, hey, we need we we want this. So they do. Yeah. They kind of own. They quote unquote own all the rights right now to all these characters, so they can do whatever that whatever they want. So they have a lot of flexibility, and you give them credit for if they really are going to go the Morbius route. That's kind of that is gutsy. There's no doubt that it's gutsy. I don't know what kind of audience it, but coming on the heels of Venom, they will, they have some positive momentum from a, from a so that might be able to draw draw more of an audience. Yeah, you'll see uh, from the studio that brought you Venom. <laughs> and, Spider- yeah. and Spider-Man Homecoming and, yeah, and, far, yeah, yeah. and Far From Home by that point. Right. <clears throat> well, before we get off the, the, the score point, I wanted to say one thing. So you, you pointed out the score, Venom. The tomato meter has it at 29, and the audience score uh, is at 89. Comparatively, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is at a tomato meter score of 52 and an audience score of 64 – and Spider-Man 3 is at a tomato meter score of 63 and an audience score of 51. So Venom, at least as far as audiences are concerned in the Rotten Tomatoes world of how everything breaks down, Venom is already better in their eyes than Spider-Man 3 and Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, certainly in the eyes of the audience. There's no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also seeing top box office here. Um, Venom with a tomato meter score of 29% is at 80.3 million whereas A Star is Born is at a tomato meter score of 91% and has only made 43 million. So everybody talking about how all the Gaga fans were trying to sabotage this movie beforehand uh even if they were didn't work. <laughs> Sorry monsters. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a diff it's a different audience, and to be fair, that movie that movie did make a lot of money too. It's just mm-hmm. so it was. I think if you look at Venom, let's say Venom compared to Spider Man Three, Venom also had a lot. It had a much lower bar to clear because no, nobody really knew what to expect out of Venom. And to be fair, I don't think many people had super high expectations for what Venom was actually going to be. Spider-Man 3 had the double whammy of the fact that it sucked, but it was following Spider-Man 2, which people loved. Spider-Man mm. 2 was one – I mean I don't know if it's going to hold up all that well. It's kind of funny like when uh, – with, with the fire and water when they did their you know superhero uh, tournament. They did their uh, NCAA tournament style. Spider-Man 2 still did extremely well in and, and and it's still one of the most highly regarded sp- superhero movies. So coming, so that was a double whammy. So actually, I'm, it's actually pretty impressive that the audience score for that movie is f- still 51, considering. I, and I, I think I've t- I talked about this on the sh- on the show. I think that that I almost mentioned it when doing the comparison between uh you know that what I liked movies that I liked you know a lot, a lot less than I liked Venom. That I still remember <laughs> I still remember the audience. When I saw after the midnight showing of of Spider-Man Three, <laughs> I just remember the audience like just sitting there stunned because they did. It was quiet. It did, you know, nobody was booing, but not the typical applause that you get quite often, especially on opening night. 
uh, or the first couple of nights when a movie comes out, is like people were just sitting there literally in silence because they just – I think people were literally – they just could not believe that they did not like this movie or that movie was the way it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, but it still amazes me that 63% of the critics, that, that, that's, they got a 63 score. Uh, yeah, that makes no friggin' sense at all. That I mean, that movie was a dumpster mm-hmm. fire. Uh, so now you, we were talking about some of the spinoffs that are coming up, and you mentioned a bunch of the source material. So this is another aspect of this film I want to get into: is the source material it drew from. Um, now it was mentioned on uh, several sites before the movie came out, um, maybe months before or whatever. But they had announced that the plot of Venom is going to draw heavy inspiration from things like Venom Lethal Protector, and then you have the planet, uh, the Spider-Man Planet of the Symbiote storyline. Uh, and not a lot of places reported this, but after seeing it, a very, like, you know, <laughs> you know, some recipes call for, like, a pinch of salt, <laughs> a pinch from uh, separation anxiety. Um, now, I, I'll just talk about some of the similarities. Now, the, the heaviest similarity comes from Venom Lethal Protector. Mark, I know uh, in all of our discussions you said you're not as much of a Venom fan as I am and so on and so forth. But since you were reading Spider-Man at the time Venom was created and stuff, did you read some of those Venom stories like Lethal Protector, Planet of the Symbiotes, which, by the way, happened during the Clone Saga? So since the Clone Saga was a big thing um, – did did you read any of this stuff? I must admit, Chad, I did not. Well, I, I, I'm not surprised by that based on what you've told me in the past, but since you were a huge Spider-Man fan, I was just double-checking that there wasn't a, a chance you did read some of those stories. Yeah, Venom, um, Venom wasn't when, – when they introduced Venom, and I was reading – I was reading Spider-Man when Venom was – like I said, I don't know if I had the actual issue he was introduced. I know he was in Spider-Man 300, Amazing Spider-Man 300. I remember I have that. I know I have that issue. But I yeah, that's that's on my grail. Yeah. So we'll see one day. So that uh, the uh, oh, you don't have that? Oh no, it's expensive, dude. I'm not gonna buy go buy it. I I, what, I mean I don't get me wrong. I love Venom, but the only time I've ever spent a, like you know a, a great amount of money, the highest amount of money I've ever spent on a comic, is seventy five bucks when I bought Green Lantern uh, number forty, the Alan Scott and Hal Jordan team up issue that explains, you know, that Crisis later used to explain the multiverse and all that stuff. But that's because, I mean, I'm a Green Lantern fan. I like the multiverse. I like the Golden Age. I mean, that was just. This this meeting of everything, and when I saw it, I couldn't pass it up. Oh, yeah. But like, I have the first appearance of Gambit, but I got that for free from a coworker who was who. She told me when I worked at Apple, she told me she said my my husband is selling a bunch of his comics off. You know, we have a baby coming on. We're trying to make some room for some things by getting rid of. So he's not getting rid of his entire collection, but he's getting rid of a lot of it. Um, so here's a list. Would you like anything? And she's my friend, my coworker. She's one of the people. She's a geek too. I did, so I didn't want to take advantage of her. But on that was the first appearance of Gambit, and I was like, "Holy crap! Uh, I love Gambit. I would love this." But uh, if you're intent on selling things to make room for the baby and also have funds for the baby, I cannot, in good conscience, take this off your hands. So I don't think you know what you have here because she was in charge of selling them. <laughs> so I was like. This is good. <laughs> Sell this. Uh, so I, I listed off a bunch of random things off the list I wanted that I knew were, 
you know, you know, quarter comics, dollar comics, whatever. Uh, but she also threw in the first appearance of Gambit. And it's, I mean, it's not in mint condition, but it's in damn good condition. Uh, so, I yeah. Actually, I, actually, I actually forgot that 300 was actually the first real appearance of Venom. I mean, obviously the black suit, and you knew the black suit was going, uh, right. issues there were issues with the suit building building up to that. I'll have to, I'll have to dig. I, I do have that. I have to dig. I didn't realize it was going for as much money as it is. I'll have to, I'll have to, yeah, it's it's yeah. Don't give that to me, dude. Like sell that. That's worth something. <laughs> to, yeah. Now I'm curious. Now I have to go. Maybe maybe one of my weekend projects would be to go through some of those tubs and see if I can actually find that because I. Because I know I have it. Plus, actually, I remember the cover even before I even before I did a search on it. It's like, yep, that's exactly the cover that's in my head for that issue. Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's back when those anniversary issues really were they meant something. Like like, right. like Amazing Spider-Man 200 was him versus the burglar, the burglar that killed Uncle Ben. And then Punisher was introduced in uh, some Spider-Man comics. Yeah, so. either 128 or 129. The one I the one I infamously cut up as a kid to make a scrapbook out of. <laughs> Yeah, because I like the uh, jackal because it's also the first appearance, the first appearance of the jackal. So I like the jackal, so I cut it up and I made. Uh, so, yeah. So speaking of just to, we we're recording this on Wednesday, folks, um, uh, and to, obviously today's new comic book day. Uh, Marvel has been putting out some new what if stories, and today, guess what came out? What if Peter Parker became the Punisher? So. That story is now out there. So just because we mentioned Spider-Man, the Punisher, first appearance of the Punisher, all that stuff. But speaking of source material, let me get back on track here. Uh, the the most threads this pulls from is Venom Lethal Protector. Now, Lethal Protector came out, I believe, around 1993. Um, and just doing some research has been a while since I read Lethal Protector uh, cover to cover. I, I wanted to uh, confirm some of this. So first of all, uh, Lethal Protector takes place in San Francisco. So that's obviously one of the biggest threads is your location. We're not in New York. We're not dealing with Spider-Man. This is San Francisco. Now, Lethal Protector does involve Spider-Man. When Spider-Man figures out that Venom has appeared, uh, someone took a photo of him. You know, the news got out. It seems like Spider-Man, uh, Venom's promise to Spider-Man in an earlier story got broken. So uh, Spider-Man has come down to San Francisco to take care of Venom. But San Francisco being the, 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 the central hub of all of this is the same. Now, a few other things. The Life Foundation is involved in Lethal Protector. Not super heavily, heavy enough, uh, uh, and maybe maybe one of the main antagonists, but in terms of uh, per capita appearances per issue, not quite as much. Carlton Drake is in it, but Carlton Drake is only the head of Life Foundation, not necessarily consumed by a symbiote and becoming Riot. Um, in Lethal Protector, you also get the uh, other other symbiotes. Um, uh, the Life Foundation also is, in this story, uh, uh, con- uh, driven forward by the idea that nuclear Armageddon is going to be a thing. Now, is that a thing in this movie? Not necessarily, but the Life Foundation does believe that this planet is doomed, <laughs> essentially. And that's what Carlton Drake wants the symbiotes for, so we can bond. And I believe the plan was to head out to the stars. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. 
that's that's uh, roughly analogous. Um, and one of the villains uh, in the story, uh, I, I can't, I, I forget who it was. A, a, it was a kind of second tier uh, antagonist, really, than more than a villain. Uh, Venom, lethal protector, uh, that. Protector is in his title, is in danger, so Venom um, risks himself uh, by protecting him from fire. So, towards the end of this movie, again, we said spoilers from the very beginning of this. Towards the end of this movie, you get that moment where the ship is being blown up and Venom is seemingly sacrificing himself from fire to protect Eddie. So, that is a sort of similarity. Another thing I forgot to mention, the reason Eddie has come to San Francisco is to turn over a new leaf, which is we get a, a brief moment, maybe like a sentence or two mentioning New York. But that's why Eddie has come to San Francisco in this in the story. That's why he has a life here now is because he left New York to turn over a new leaf. Now, a few years later. I believe 1995 during the whole clone saga stuff, which I I've never read it myself and I'm not admittedly the biggest Spider-Man reader from my perspective, just being a comic fan in general, I hear the clone saga is divisive to Spider-Man fans. Some like it, some don't. I don't know your personal experience with it, Mark. <laughs> that's, that's a fair assessment. I think, uh, the over, my overall assessment of the Clone Saga was more that it went on too long, and, okay. and they and they were and they were a little too clever for themselves when they tried to do when they fir- did the first they, they, they when they first went in the direction they did by trying to tell us that oh the Peter Parker we'd actually been reading about for the, like the last umpteen years which actually I believe at that point would have been we would have been reading about the non-real Peter Parker longer than we would have been had, had been reading about the real Peter Parker that, when they said oh that's the guy you've been reading about since I think Spider-Man 149 oh guess what oh Sp- Spider-Man 149 into 150 oh that's the clone when they went that route I think that was a big being blunt that was a big fuck up and I think they were really asking people to ex- to accept a lot it's like because really that because no matter what that had been the spider-man probably in more stories than than who they were telling us was the real spider-man and then of course they eventually Mm -hmm. then then i think they can then then they realized i think that they they screwed up big time and that's when they did the flip-flop and said it was norman osborne who screwed around with the results and everything else and ben riley was really the clone and but right it was it was i i enjoyed overall i did enjoy the clone saga it did get crazy at the end like with maximum clonage and spider side and all that crap but i but it did lead into that great revelations thing which brought norman osborne back which made perfect sense so i thought i thought that kind of redeemed the clone saga at the end to make norman osborne be the one behind all of it because he was a villain who had it made the most sense he would have the motivation he would have the money and the patience to play the long game to do that kind of have that kind of control to screw peter parker's life up so right well during the clone saga they put out this mini series which appeared in a bunch of uh not even its own issues just a bunch of specials um called planet of the symbiotes uh the only real tie uh, to the Clone Saga is that uh, Scarlet Spider, Ben Riley is involved in the story. That's really about it. Um, and the similarities are less so here, but worth mentioning to some extent. Um, now, first of all, there's uh, 
the, a, a, a uh, scout ship for symbiotes and stuff uh, in, in one of the stories. And this is a very minor thing, but the artistic um, uh, uh, actually, actually, let me back up. There is one more similarity to um, to Lethal Protector. In Lethal Protector, Scream, which is one of the symbiotes that is uh, uh, symbiote seeds that is taken from the Venom symbiote and 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 rapidly aged into those five symbiotes you see, uh, you know, Riot, Scream. Uh, um, I can't remember the other one, but anyways, uh, uh, the other ones, but, uh, scream steals a life foundation ship artistically looks exactly like the ship you see in the very beginning of this movie. Now, the reason I mentioned a ship is because in planet of the symbiotes, there is an idea in there that the symbiotes have a scout ship sort of system in place in this, uh, aspect. It looks like the symbiotes are using comets to kind of spread themselves back and forth and, and, and sort of scout out the universe, but they are scouting in some way, shape or form. So that's, that's, uh, that's an idea that's introduced in planet of the symbiotes. Additionally, um, venom, the venom symbiote is, is, uh, revealed to be sort of, um, against the whole idea of what his, his race is a, a part of what they want to do is they, their idea is they want to consume and, and move on. And venom is considered an outcast by the other symbiotes for wanting to bond and, with, with his, with, with the individual, you know, the, I just want to be loved kind of in a weird <laughs> twisted way, <laughs> in like a weird twisted way, uh, that only venom can pull off. Um, but that that lends to the idea of what when Venom confesses to Eddie in the film that he is a loser, um, just just like yeah, just like Eddie. So the, he ha, he he is different from the other symbiotes. That is an idea that's put forth in Planet of the Symbiotes. Another sim, uh, uh, similarity is at the end, um, Venom wants to Venom and Eddie want to rededicate themselves to protecting and and not killing uh part of the towards the beginning of the planet of the symbiote story um Ven uh, eddie while you know in the venom suit you know while together just unleashes something about killing somebody and eating them or whatever and all of a sudden venom and that that shocks eddie because you know lethal protector has already happened um so he's wait where did that come from and he purposely puts the the suit away from him so he's no he knows he's not being influenced by what a lot of we know we now know as others a a a host of a symbiote often refers in comics to their symbiote as their other um so he doesn't want to be influenced by his other venom so he sends him away so he can think about all this 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 killing and stuff that's been going on this is a loose tie but it is there because you have the lethal protector idea. You have this idea from Planet of the Symbiotes. And in that, you get Eddie's aversion to the idea of killing and eating people. And, of course, at the end, when he's just saying, they have to be really bad people. I'll let you do it. But they, they need to be really bad people. Um, so you, you sort of get that balance and idea there. Uh, I wanted to bring out the other symbiotes in the Planet of the Symbiotes uh, and the other symbiotes that appear and are created in Lethal Protector because we do get other symbiotes in this film. One of them looks to have a bunch of yellow in its makeup, which would be Scream. 
um, if if that ever amounted to anything. But in this case, the symbiotes are individual organisms already, whereas in Lethal Protector, Venom's the only fully formed symbiote. He's captured by the Life Foundation. In their scans of his makeup, they find these seeds because uh, symbiotes reproduce asexually. They pull these seeds out. They genetically modify or, or, or enhance their age to become fully grown, and that's when the Life Foundation weaponizes them and puts them onto various security guards and cops and stuff that they have in there repertoire and that's when you get like scream and riot and all that stuff um but those are some of the similarities from the source material i only bring it up because a lot of those are are relatively superficial which means a lot of this movie is sort of its own thing that is true so 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 what do you feel about this being i mean it's influenced by but it seems to be a largely original story I think based on the character and based on his history and also based on what people, I think, generally know about Venom, uh, not diehards like you, but let's say the average person, I think that probably was a smart way to go because there, because there isn't one necessarily definitive story, certainly to, to do like, in a, like an origin or introduction movie. I don't think that going in – so because of that – because that's the way it is – I think it made sense to kind of like borrow little tidbits here and there, and plus, you know, you could also laying the you know breadcrumbs for potential delving into some of these storylines more down the road. But yeah, I think the I think the approach probably was a smart way to go. Yeah, I I, I mean I really enjoyed it. Again, some of the issues that both critics and audience have, if audience were to point to issues, is. I mean, you really don't want to put this thing under a microscope in terms of plot and, you know, logistics and stuff like that. I mean, it doesn't make sense if you're just sort of to turn off your brain and enjoy the film. Sure. But it's not like it's a complete incoherent mess. It's just that some of the points are just like, wait, what? If you're really to pay attention to it. But I mean, I, I, largely, I like the narrative and, and what's happening. Um, so. I just wanted to bring up some of that source material. Another thing I wanted to talk about, obviously, we'll just get into it. Comedy, specific specific scenes that we liked, action sequences, just the specifics of the film. Because I laughed the hardest when Eddie slash Venom, uh, when they scale that building, they get into the office, and he writes that note to his former boss. And Venom, he's like, all right, well, how do we get out of here? And, and Venom just tells him to go back down the building slash jump. And you see Eddie pause, and then there's a cut scene to him waiting by an elevator as it dings, and Venom saying, pussy. (laughs) And I laughed my ass off, as did most everybody else in the theater. (laughs) Yeah, that was was pretty funny. Uh, The, uh... A lot of, like... To me, to me, I think... To me, I think the funniest part was when... When they were getting before they took on took on Riot and they were getting ready to and when when Venom was like telling Eddie though he's got like shit that you've never seen or you couldn't even imagine and then they, and then they start fighting and it's like where did this come from or what is this is it told you it's <laughs> like yeah that I thought I thought that I thought that was I thought that was pretty funny uh, a lot of the stuff that was going on the interaction between the between the two of them uh, during the motorcycle chase I thought that was pretty good. Uh, even though it wasn't blatantly humorous, it was funny, but not as intentionally. Was after after he gets ex- he gets examined, 
and they and and they keep telling your heart's at your feet and all these things and, and you're gonna die all this stuff and everything everything you know that they're telling him then I'm telling him no <laughs> that's not true like I can I can help you I can I can hear your all this stuff just the back just the back and forth I thought that was I thought that was just kind of funny so what was so I, and I want to make sure that I understand this based on the way it was presented in the movie. Now, is the reason why the host just decays from the inside out? Is it just a just because it's not a perfect match, number one, or b because if the symbiote doesn't get doesn't basically get nourishment on its own, it starts eating it starts eating its host to get nourishment, or some combination thereof, or something? Because I was it's it's a little it, unclear. It, it, it was a little it, unclear to me on one hundred percent why because. In in film, it sounds like a combination of three things. Um, mostly the two things you just said. It's not a good match, uh, and they're not getting nourishment elsewhere. It, that seems to make sense because when Venom bonds with Eddie, I mean, he raids the fridge, he raids the trash. I mean, he's he is consumed with hunger so clearly the symbiote needs to feed whereas in the life foundation they're keeping them under lock and key and studying them so maybe the life foundation is contributing to them not being a perfect match you don't know maybe it's possible i don't know uh because they don't go super deep into that but they do mention that there it needs to be a good match from the life foundation and you do get the idea that they need to be nourished from the way Ve- uh, Eddie just eats freaking everything. Um, but then the the third idea that gets introduced is, is, of course, later on when Venom talks about sort of being the outcast and stuff like that, which, like I said, which is why I bring up the source material of Planet of the Symbiotes, alludes to that source material idea that – most of the symbiotes, it seems Riot included, based on his own motives, and I don't mean Carlton Drake's motives, I mean Riot's motives. Um, it seems to be confirmed by Riot's motives that the symbiotes want to consume and move on. Um, and, and Venom is an outcast and a loser from his own symbiote. So maybe it's a combination of all three. A, a, the idea that it's not a perfect match, the idea that they need like heavy-duty nourishment, and the idea that maybe some of the symbiotes just want to consume the person they're attached to and move on to the next host. Now, none of that is 100% confirmed because obviously you're asking the question, uh, and that may be one of the issues people have with the movie in general. Um, but it sounds like taking all those pieces and putting them together, it sounds like it's a mixture of all three. Okay. Um, but it, I do agree with you. It, it, it's not a, they don't do a good job of explaining it. Um, what are some? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think of like some of the scenes I really enjoyed uh, pre Venom, because because I mean we obviously all really enjoy the Eddie Brock and, and Venom relationship and the way they talk to each other and interact. But I was endeared to Eddie a little bit beforehand, so I'm trying to think of some of the the Eddie Brock only scenes I really enjoyed. Um, I did like him going, seeming to be like a hard-hitting journalist and going after Carlton Drake. Um, I both hated and loved the fact that he went into his fiance's email because on the one hand, you're already sort of endeared to this character to where you're sitting back going, oh, don't do it. Really? Come on, Eddie. Don't, don't, don't do this. 
Um, and but at the same time, I'm a Venom slash Eddie Brock fan, and I'm like, oh, there's the asshole. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, 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 if, if Eddie was a hundred percent endearing this entire film. You might have had a weird taste in some movies goer's mouth going, Eddie's not like the perfect stand up dude. He's sort of an ass sometimes. And that moment is enough to be is enough to cement. It's the it's it's almost almost the only moment Eddie is a total ass in the entire movie. But it's enough of an asshole move for you to. Understand why someone would hate this dude or why he, you know, got run out of New York or whatever, what his past was. It's believable that he's had a checkered past from that one moment. And the fact that he actually knew what her password was, so it's not like he had to fumble around and guess what it was. <laughs> right. Yep. Um, one thing that weirded me out, uh, I, I mean, it, it made sense is what symbiotes do, blah, blah, blah. Um, but the fact that, uh, I, f- I forget his, his f- ex fiance's name, the character name. Is it, it starts with an A, right? Annie, wasn't it? It might've been. Um, but when she has Venom on her and then her slash Venom kiss Eddie, that, I was just like, that was a, that was a cool moment cause he gets Venom back. And then there's some comedy that happens in there a little bit. Because she's all like, I, I, we ate, I ate somebody, <laughs> you know? but at the same time, that, that that was a weird kiss moment, and I was just like, is, is Annie kissing him or is Venom kissing him? <laughs> what, what is happening? I, I did like the the, I believe it's, you said Annie. We'll just go with Annie. I like the Annie Venom relationship, where like Venom's like, I like her, <laughs> stuff like that. It's spelled it's spelled Anne, but I think that was Annie. I, I thought I, I thought. Unless that's just his nickname for, but it is. But if you look at the credits, it is it is A N N E, so it's either Ann or Annie. So we were okay. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was an interesting uh, menage a trois there between the three of them. Just their whole relationship was was kind of interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I like the whole. Riot making his way all the way to San Francisco thing. Yeah, that I mean, that's 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 a lot of the that's a problem that a lot of people point out is how how much the first 15, 20 minutes of the movie or whatever seemed to drag compared to the rest of the film. It takes us a little bit of time to get to point A to point B. I mean, part of it, you're looking at it and going, okay, we have to we have to like Eddie before we, we see him like completely down and out. You know, he's got to have a vendetta against Carlton, Drake, and, and the Life Foundation and be scared again of them as well and, and all this stuff. So you do have to establish all of that. But maybe some scenes could have been cut, shortened, whatever, rearranged better. Some of them could be flashback. Who knows? Like, I, 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 I'm not a movie guy to my core, so I don't know if there's a better way we could have done all that. But it does seem tonally pacing wise that first few minutes of the film just don't seem all that compelling compared to the rest of it i think that's fair um is there anything else we want to talk about uh the film the the fight scene between venom and riot uh the stuff uh with the motorcycle chase and all of that or any of these things well the motorcycle chase was really good i liked 
And I like the fact that obviously we do know that certainly the symbiote is capable of healing, even if it's not necessarily long term, since since Eddie's a complete mess after he breaking everything, breaking bones left and right, <laughs> and yet Venom's able to <laughs> to put him back together again pretty pretty much immediately. Uh, I the fight with Riot was cool. It wasn't maybe because it was a little dark, you know, being at night and everything. It wasn't as some of the cooler parts is obviously when they, you know, when you had the split, like almost like the splitting of the of the symbiotes from their hosts, and you had the hosts fighting, and then the symbiotes and everything else, and that was that was kind of that was interesting. I, but the I don't know the the way they got rid of Riot was kind of lame, but yeah, yeah, but if he's really gone, but it's, it was it was kind of lame. So, I mean, I will say in Venom Lethal Protector, uh, the five symbiotes are seemingly killed, only to come back in Separation Anxiety. So, I mean, there's there's stuff there if they want to bring him back in a sequel or something. Um, but speaking of sequels, should we get to the end credits? Might as well. The only laugh in the theater that I felt was not intentional by the creators of this film. <laughs> because when I was in my theater, I don't know about you, when <laughs> that face turns around and it's Woody Harrelson with a crazy grin, People laughed, <laughs> and I mean laughed, and it didn't – I don't think it was supposed to be super intentional from the creative team. I don't, maybe you have a different view of it, but uh, I, when I heard the laughter, I was like, yeah, they didn't intend for the audience to laugh at that moment. <laughs> well, I mean I suppose – I mean they, but, but they would have to think that people would. First of all, and it's Woody Harrelson. Second of all, he's got this big – grin on his face so so that would tend to make people want to laugh and it's not like and you don't you don't really get the review i mean you kind of really don't get the we we comic book fans understand you know the reference at the you know in in that scene but it's not like we ever really get the you know the the real introduction to to his character so true and i do have the audio from that moment i found it online so it'll be in the end credits uh after credits of our own episode i'll play that audio Clearly, this character has curly red hair. He's in super huge lockup in prison, and he's speaking to Eddie. And at the end of it, he says, when I get out, and I will get out, there's going to be carnage. So very clearly, this is Cletus Cassidy, a.k.a. Carnage. So I do have the audio of, of... the, the entire in credit scene audio was somewhere online. I just split out the actual words that Eddie speak or not, uh, not Eddie uh, Cletus speaks. Um, so that'll be in the end credits. Um, clearly, someone snuck a phone or some audio recorder or something into the theater, so you're going to hear some audience reaction and applause and so on and so forth in the background. But it's a fairly clear representation of all that. So if you saw the movie and want to hear it again, uh, it'll be at the end. But uh, yeah, what did you think of that end credit scene? Just, uh, I mean, as a teaser, as setting up a, a sequel, it was did it do its job? Was it worth staying in the in the theater for, so on and so forth? I think it did its job. It, you know, it, it is kind of on some levels kind of disappointing that you know that's all that was all that they had uh, Woody Harrelson do for this movie <laughs> was for that. <laughs> Obviously, it's you know the the. the the idea was to have a bigger payoff for him and the character down the road. They also, not that it's, 
not that these end credit scenes are usually kept well under wraps, but you know this one was pretty much out there pretty early on. Uh, wasn't too hard to find what the end credit scene was, <laughs> even though the first time I got to watch it, it was in friggin' Spanish. <laughs> so if I hadn't actually read what what actually transpired between, because I'm my Spanish, I'm a little, I'm I'm certainly rusty enough in my Spanish where I would not have been able to get all that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, it was kind of funny watching it. It's like so somebody had recorded it in the theater, but it, it was in Spanish. So yeah, I think I think it makes sense for them. They should go that the route of keeping Eddie Brock and Venom being at least, if not an out and out hero, an anti hero. Don't make him a bad guy. Uh, so Carnage, it can. I mean, it would make. See, that's the, probably the limiting thing with Venom, too, as a character, is that much like you, on one level, you don't want to fall into the Tony Stark trap of having every single f- opponent be armored up. So it, that is kind of the problem if every single opponent of Venom is just basically another symbiote with another host. But I think right. people would cu- I think people would probably cut it some cut them some slack with Carnage, <laughs> and then then the question comes in you know how far down the road if they continue this are they going to go before they introduce introduce Spider Man, uh, and then how are they going to do it because obviously it's it there are multiple ways to do it and but it's, it's really interesting I don't know if you saw the interview with. Uh, with with Tom Hardy when he makes it crystal clear that it, given the choice of teaming up with Spider-Man to fight somebody else or to fight Spider-Man, he just wants to fight Spider-Man. <laughs> so, but it would, from a plot device, it would seemingly make much more sense that they end up either if one, they end up at odds to start with, only to have to team up to defeat something bigger. That would make sense, kind of like what we assume will happen in, in Kong versus Godzilla. That you have two characters that are inherently good guys that are gonna that are gonna fight each other for some reason, but it's hard to believe that's what the whole movie is gonna be about. That there's not gonna be something that brings them together at the end. <laughs> so, but yeah, that's my that's what I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing I'll mention is it, it, Carnage, while yet another symbiote, is interesting because of how insane he is. You see Venom's desire to eat and kill and and do all this stuff, and Eddie sort of reins him in in this film. But when you get Carnage, you get... I mean, if if you were introduced to Venom from his first appearances on, by the time you get to Carnage, you already feel like you have a, a, a relatively okay idea of who Venom is. When you get introduced to Carnage, it ups the ante. You thought Venom was bad. Here's... Pure insanity in symbiote form. What if we? What if a crazy symbiote got attached to a freaking serial killer? What's that going to be like? <laughs> and you you go from there. Venom, Carnage never has a plan. <laughs> he, he's his whole goal is chaos, and uh, they do this in a subtle way. I believe all of his appearances, uh, if not most of them, because it's something I have seen a bunch of times. Eddie and Venom refer to themselves as we. Carnage refers to himself as I. Cletus and and Carnage have so melded in their ideal ideology and and sense of self that they don't even recognize themselves as separate beings anymore. They are one. They are Carnage. So the idea, like, I wonder if they're going to do Carnage as a as a sequel to this film. Uh, if they do this sequel. It's gonna have to be rated R, don't you think? Like, how do you do Carnage without making it rated R? 
And how does a rated R film as a sequel compare to its predecessor, a PG-13 film? Or do they feel they, they are now entitled to keep it PG-13 in order to get much of the same audience they had before? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it is kind of hard to imagine them going from PG-13 to an R now. But but you never know. You, you, it'll, some of this, maybe, let's see how the movie holds up, too. I mean, that may not in, have a dramatic impact on, on, on how they approach that if there if that even is a dilemma for them but we have to see how much we have to see what the drop off is going to be for this weekend because uh, if it drop I mean because most superhero movies drop like a rock in week two but if this thing really drops you know if it drops like sixty something percent and peters out pretty quickly certainly domestically and then depending on what it does overseas I mean I still think we'll get a sequel but it might it might influence how grand a plan Sony has and maybe maybe the you know, if it doesn't make the, if it if it struggles to make, let's say if it struggles to make a little over two hundred million dollars domestically, then maybe they decide. Well, they say that's not. See, it could go either way. They could roll the dice and say, well, well, we don't have that much to lose, so let's make an arm. And they could also say, well, you know, we didn't exactly pa- we didn't exactly bring a whole lot of people in, and when we were, technically we're appealing to a broader audience, so do we want to narrow even narrow it down even more? I don't know. That's a tough. This, so I, the R rating thing is, is is a is a real is a real question mark. I mean, if they had gone with this movie and made it an R, I think they would have been okay. I don't think it would have had a. Mm-hmm. It probably would have had some impact on the movie, but not. I don't know if it would have been dramatic, but it's kind of going to be hard to go from PG thirteen to R. The other way around right. is easier, but not. Yeah. Well, uh, one final thing I wanted to talk about. We've already been talking for an hour, so I think we got a lot more mileage out of this than we originally thought we would. Uh, but did you stay to the end? End? Yeah, I watched the multi, the Spider Verse awesome. stuff. Okay, so uh, another one of the films I'm very excited for coming out this year is uh, Spider Man into the Spider Verse. Uh, when the first trailer dropped, I was super excited about the visuals. The second trailer's out, and now at the very end of this film. After all the credits have wrapped up and the end credit scene has happened, you get this tag, meanwhile in another universe, and you get a scene from Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, where uh, uh, a kid in costume, Miles Morales, in a crappy Spider-Man costume, is at the grave of a Peter Parker which has a ton of flowers and candles and stuff over it. So clearly the, the, the universe that Miles Morales occupies is similar to the Ultimate Universe and that people knew Spider-Man was Peter Parker at his death. Um, and he's trying to live up to this. Well, this is after some villain fight that we're sort of dropped in the middle of. And a shadow sneaks up behind him and um, Miles knocks him out. And oh, crap. It's Peter Parker. <laughs> um, and when he hit him, it activated one of Peter's web triggers. So now Peter is knocked out, but webbed to Miles. So when some cops come to show up on the, in the cemetery to see what's going on, Miles tries to run away, but can't because he's still webbed to Peter and drags him behind him in this hilarious scene <laughs> where Miles webs himself to uh, use, uses Peter's web shooters to web them to a passing subway car, uh, you know, that's going over traffic. And, <laughs> and Sp- 
Spider, uh, 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 both Peter and Miles are being banged against a, stu- a bunch of stuff. And, you know, Peter looks hilarious because he's unconscious and all this crap. Um, so I, 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 I'm it just gave us this whole scene. And, and man, my excitement for this this film it was already pretty high. Uh, just seeing like a full scene from it, I really think this is going to be like an underrated success. Like people are really, really going to enjoy this film. Now, I I love the Spider Verse stuff. I you know I got all the comics uh, issues when it came out. I've got the trade. I you know I read the Venom Verse stuff. I'm reading Spider Geddon now. Like I'm I'm obviously their target market in terms of comics. Uh, <laughs> I'm here for it. But I think kids are going to love this. I don't know what you felt about it. I don't know how you feel about animated films. I don't know how you feel about this idea, the plot, the characters involved, so on and so forth. But I've really enjoyed everything I've seen so far. And this end credit scene just solidified it for me. Now, now was that trailer, was the regular trailer for that movie on your Venom 2 or no? Uh, I believe so. I can't remember because that you know by the time the the movie was over, I'm just trying to internalize everything I've seen, and then that 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 full scene from Into the Spider Verse comes on, so I've i kind of forgotten what trailers were in front of the movie. Well, the the Into the Spider Verse trailer was on my 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 copy of Venom, my showing of Venom. So that was that actually was the first time I saw that trailer. Uh. Oh, oh yes, oh yes, it was. I'm sorry, I'm remembering now the the cop telling his, to, you know, Miles Morales' father saying, "Say I love yes, you" yes, in front yes, of the school yes, over the last Yeah, yes. okay, yeah. Uh, I liked the, that trailer. I liked. I'll be honest, probably the for I don't know what maybe maybe it was the haircut, but for some reason the the, the person I gravitated <laughs> towards was Gwen Stacy. In that, in okay. that. Uh, I mean, Peter doesn't really look like Peter, but I guess we're, because he's an older Peter, I guess maybe if that's the reason why. But it looked intriguing. It it kind of made me more intrigued and interested in the project to start with, and then and I already knew I already knew that was the second quote unquote credit scene, which is really not a credit scene. They they they're they're cute the way they edited in like it's like again in, in another universe, you know, you know in an, in another universe, blah 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 blah. That's a, which is already a plot of the movie itself, right? So it's cute the yeah. it's cute the way they put that in there, uh, but it really, you know, let's be honest. It's like like we said, it, it's just a, it's just an extended scene from the movie, uh, so it's not really a trailer or not anything to do with Venom. I did think it was funny. It did it 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 was funny. I like the snow aspect. It's stuff you know the atmospheric. It 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 was that. So I I. I I still can't guarantee I'm seeing this in the theater, but it certainly increased the odds that I would consider it. And and actually, the only other I'm trying to think there weren't that the first Aquaman trailer was on was on my Venom. I'm trying to think of anything else that was super 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 interesting. Uh, actually, the the Creed trailer. It's the first time I saw the Creed trailer in the in the theater. And it was funny because I would listen to people behind me going, "I'm so excited for this movie." <laughs> that is such a great friggin' trailer as a trailer. You know, they were gonna if, if they had an if they had an Academy Award category for trailers, Creed Two would absolutely be the, one of the front runners and be a definite nominee because that is a quintessential. That is it's hard to have a more perfect trailer to you know to to get a reaction out of people and even people that aren't 100% into it. Or no, or as into the Rocky series as let's say I would be. That a lot of people just watch it. Oh my God, that looks really good. 
because almost everybody knows about the whole Rocky Four stuff, you know. Almost everybody knows about the right. Drago Rocky stuff. So, but it was a, but yeah, I think the Spider Verse. I think that I'm definitely more interested in that than I was. Uh, there's not that much once it, you get past November that I'm I'm really interested in so, this year. So it, I I feel it's going to be a huge success. I'm, I'm I'm calling it now. I will eat crow if 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 I'm wrong about it and it just turns out to be a flop. But anticipation now versus how it's going to be received later, I, I think it's going to be so good in terms of its success. So I think it's going to be a breakaway hit. But we'll I guess we'll see. Um, that's it for Venom. Is there anything else you wanted to say about Venom before we moved on to these other topics? I don't think so. I think we I think we covered a lot on it. Okay. Uh, overall impression: thumbs up, thumbs down. Well, definitely a thumbs up. Yeah, I give it a thumbs up too. You guys should really go see it. Should, should they go see it in theaters? While it's in theaters, should they see it on the big screen? Hmm. If I had to be honest about it, I would say I don't know if there's stuff that that you anything in my theatrical experience while seeing it that indicated, oh yeah, you, it has to be seen on the big screen to be appreciated. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I think if you're, if you're sitting on the fence, either because you heard all the crap, you know, all the, you know, how all the critics hated it, and you're hearing, you know, so many, but a lot of people who would see it liked it. I said, if you're sitting on the fence, it's worth take, it's worth going to check it out in the theater. But if you're, but if you're asking me based on the spectacle of what we see on the screen, is it really important to see it on this, or see it on your, especially if you have a decent sized flat screen at home when it comes out in DVD or Blu-ray? I would say, I would say probably you could wait on that level. Right. I would tend to agree with you. Obviously, I'm a little bit more biased. I, I would, I would suggest overall they see it in theaters. But there's a certain, there's some reasons for that. A lot of the action sequences, uh, the big. You, you mentioned, do they have a flat screen at home? I've got like a 32 inch or whatever, and it's in my room, not in my living room. So, in terms of my perspective of it, it's a fairly big screen. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, another part of it is the sound. Yes. Uh, it, if you don't have a, a home theater system, there's a lot of bass, and you know, Venom's voice in particular is is really rumbly and, and deep. So. I mean, if you don't have a great sound system at home, I'd say you're not really going to get the full effect of of some of the sound aspects of this film. Uh, if you don't have, you're not going to get the full aspects of this of this film if you don't have a good sound system and if you don't have a good like really clear flat screen TV. Uh, if you don't have those uh, or you don't think the, your quality of those are is up to snuff, go see this in theaters. Some some people are super excited and, and want to see it in various IMAX sort of screenings. You don't need the IMAX treatment. You don't need the 3D treatment. Um, but uh, if you're on the fence, I'd say go see it in theaters and make up your own mind. But um, what do you want to go into now that we're done with Venom? Um, let's see. I don't think we're going to spend too much time on most anything else at this point for multiple reasons. Uh, let's briefly talk about the Dark Phoenix trailer. You know, originally, we were going to play it. I don't really think there we necessarily need no. to uh we probably never needed to but i mean now that now that the moment is gone uh the and of course fox being fox it's like they have to release the dark trail the dark phoenix trailer then like literally either the day the next day or the day after they, they push it back again um so the trailer says like february like february like valentine's day and then now i think it's pushed back to what july or august i think 
June 7th. It, June? it was only June? Uh, well, it's still early. It could get pushed back again. Uh, that's right. That's right. Because I, I, I remember hearing about the movies that it's kind of like sandwiched between. Well, I was rewatching the trailer at one point on mute, obviously, but while we were talking. Uh, and I happened to pause at the end of it, and it says Dark Phoenix in theaters June 7th. So a lot of the – a lot of the – Let's put it this way. Not many people are like see this, have seen this trailer and seemingly have reacted. Oh my god, I love it. Uh, now I, my backhanded compliment, because sometimes I'm good at those, is that well, it's certainly better than Apocalypse. <laughs> which, which it's but, better than X X three. Yeah, but 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 don't forget. See, we, you have to have it based on expectations. Now, yes, uh, Apocalypse. Was part of why Apocalypse was so disappointing as a movie was because Days of Future Past was so good, and then the the idea of introducing you know Apocalypse and that end credit scene was really cool, and then they just ruined it across the board. Now with X three, X two was really popular and people were into it, and, but I don't know if the trailers for X three were as were so horrible uh, overall. Plus, people didn't realize how bad the Ratner version was going to be compared to with Singer. Plus, but either way. It, it, there is, a, there is. You're right. There is an analogy, and plus, obviously, Last Stand and Dark Phoenix have a lot in common because if you look at a lot of the scenes in this trailer, it almost looks like they're trying to remake Last Stand, <laughs> which is not the smart way to go. Since I think that's universally hated as the you know across the the most hated X Men movie. I mean, some people would try to make the Wolverine Origins thing, but I don't. I still think that movie isn't as isn't as bad as X Three. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if I'd consider uh, Origins a guilty pleasure movie per se, because a guilty pleasure movie, I, I say you're guiltily enjoying it throughout the entire film. There are aspects of Origins I cannot stand, but there are a lot of aspects of Origins I really enjoy. Do I? Am I a, a fan? Like a hundred percent of the Gambit portrayal in that film? Not really, but I do. I mean, in the same way I like Green Lantern for seeing Green Lantern in live action on film, I like that moment with Gambit because I got to see Gambit. You know what I mean? So there there are moments of – I I don't see Origins as an utter shitbox. No, I I don't either. Uh, but last last stand was pretty bad and it was it was pretty laughable at some point. But it does seem like, as people have pointed out, there's a lot of things that mirror last stand in this Phoenix trailer, including you know Gene going to Magneto and and mm. the X Men confronting Gene who's kind of gone bad and and the cop cars being thrown around and and something right. and, and her doing something horrible that's you know to somebody that she, that she really cares about and in, in this version it's going to be her parents and and yeah. many of them coming to her when she's a kid and trying to uh, yeah it just seems like it's it's a little i mean you would really think no matter what this movie is actually going to be about you would think they would have cut the trailer purposely to be different just because it echoes so much back to a movie that people don't like and it comes yeah and i don't know if you i don't know if you noticed this uh and i would love to see someone do a breakdown in terms of like taking taking a stopwatch and and start stop start stop start stop for each of these how much do you see Magneto, Xavier, uh, Mystique in terms of their total screen time versus how much do you see Gene in this trailer? True. That's 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 not there's a ton, a ton of Magneto, Mystique, Xavier in this film. I mean, I, I can't blame them for it. Those are the main attractors. 
when you want some recognizability that this is going to be an X X Men movie set in this new X universe, you know, with the the Days of Future Past and so on and so forth, first class, this first class universe. Um, but uh, man, it, it, it's it's called Dark Phoenix. It's a Jean Grey movie. She should be on this screen in this trailer more than she is. Yeah, I think that's true. I think. I think they do have the same problem, again, like we we mentioned earlier, one of the reasons why I wanted to mention it, that it is, you're taking one of the definitive, or the definitive story about a character, and much like you did the first time, which, which even the first time it was rushed, but at least there was a little bit of setup. I think there was a little bit more setup in in X2 leading into X3, and maybe... Yeah, it was teased at the end of X2. I just didn't mean in general. I mean, I just think... But you're right, there was directly, but I mean... But Brian... But we also don't know how it would have been handled if Brian Singer got to do X3, which he should have done, because Superman Returns was... Compared to the... I mean... That's a guilty pleasure movie. Yeah, it's, it's not for me at all. It's like almost nothing in that... Spacey wasn't a bad Luther, and that was about it. I don't think. And Brendan Routh is doing the best Christopher oh, Reeve. I, I, I don't. I don't. I don't like Lois. Oh, yeah, at she's all. horrible. She, she's un, <laughs> she, she's unbelievable. She is unbelievable in that role. I mean, I, I like Kate Bosworth. She's unbelievable in that role, and why they have her smoke, which was stupid, because that was why. But then why would Richard Donner let Margot Kidder smoke in, as Lois Lane too in the first one? And I'm sure that's why they had her continue that. That, but either way, uh, I, if I was I know it was Superman, but I think if I think if I was uh, Brian Singer, I would have stuck with the X Men. But it's a it's a story about a definitive story about a character, but the story is being rushed way too way too soon. We barely have seen any of Jean's X of any pseudo Phoenix powers. Uh, I know that maybe they're gonna get you know, they're gonna get more of a direct reason why in this movie if they go if they car- they do go with the going into space aspect at all in this movie. But either way, it's like you, it's hard to care about it. It's hard to care about a character's fall if you don't have enough time to care about the character. And mm-hmm. I like Sophie Turner. I like her, and she's hot as hell. I mean, but I don't think she was particularly good in. X Men Apocalypse. Not that many people were, other than Fassbender, who's always good. Uh, but I don't think we have enough invested in this new version of Jean Grey to care. I mean, at least Famke Janssen we cared about, uh, yeah. and just like, my God, I mean, suppose I mean, the, the rumor is that they're going to kill off Mystique in this movie. God, I hope so. She should never have been the focal point. Mystique as a character, even in the comic books, is not particularly interesting, and Jennifer Lawrence's version is is so much. I mean, Rebecca Ro, Jen, Jennifer Lawrence is supposed to be like eight times the actress that Rebecca Romaine is, but Rebecca Romaine was a lot more interesting mystique. <laughs> I hmm. hate Jennifer Lawrence, and they give her way too much screen time. Way too much screen time. Uh, it was bad. I mean, I can live with it in Days of Future Past because you know her character. Even though they obviously forced it to be this way, but her character, you know, and was going to be the linchpin to the rise of the Sentinels and all. I could, I could live with that. But then they got to jam her shoehorn her back into friggin' uh, Apocalypse, and she's back in this movie, yeah. and it's like, oh, she's a pia. She is a bad, you know. Plus, she's primarily a bad guy. We know Mystique is not one of these characters that really has walked walked that fine line or come back and forth a lot. Mystique has pretty much been bad. Her most interesting 
the most interesting thing about her is her tie to Nightcrawler. That's the most interesting thing there about her. So I don't – yeah, so I hope – assuming this movie still sees the light of day, which who knows? It could be – it may still never see the light of day. Uh, I – I don't have a lot of high hopes for this movie. I, 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 the highlight of the trailer for me, which was really funny and, and really accurate, was when uh, Fassbender was telling the thing to Charles about how you always have a speech pretty much to, to – to, so after, after you do something wrong, you always make a speech about it. No one cares. <laughs> yeah. That part I really uh, liked. And speaking of nobody cares, I don't care about this film. I, I am likely to see it in theaters, but again, I say this because I, I get free tickets to movies all the time. So if, if you know, I'm hanging out with my brother-in-law, my sister, and our group of friends, and, you know, we're looking for something to do, and they want to go see the X-Men movie, I'm probably going to go see it. Um, but that's because I don't have to pay for it. I'm not paying for this film. I mean, I don't pay for much of them, but again, I'm, I'm not paying for this film. So I just... Um, yeah, it's 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 not for me. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm not excited about it. Uh, Corwin, got, I, I appeared again on one of his shows a while back. I mentioned that uh, on the EMX podcast to talk about uh, uh, X Men Gold number thirty, I believe it was, where Venom or not Venom uh, Gambit and Rogue got married, uh, as well as all the other stuff that came out that month month for the X Universe. Um, and uh, you know, we talked a bit about my history with with the X Men and stuff, and. Uh, I for a lo- for the longest time I don't anymore because I sold all these uh, a lot of comics a lot of my trades, um, but uh, I had Dark Phoenix sitting on the shelf I had Executioner songs sitting on the shelf uh, and, and so on and so forth never read them I didn't buy them but that was because my dad knew I like comics and his work has like some sort of office yard sale where people bring up stuff and they just sell it all in office to help raise funds for their employee union and all this stuff. So my dad would, would grab up a bunch, anything comic related. He essentially grabs for me. So I had executioner song and dark Phoenix and, and all this stuff on my shelf, but I never actually read them. Uh, and I sold them. So I just, I have no ties to the source material. Uh, X three wasn't that great. And like you said, the Sophie Turner version of Jean Grey, I just, I'd have no attachment to or care for. So there's no reason at all for me to care about this film. And plus, we know, I mean, practically, you know, we, practical terms, we know that this stuff's not going anywhere. Because, because right. this is all, all, all this stuff's going to be wiped away once, you know, once Marvel actually starts plotting out what they're going to be doing with, with, with the X-Men and the MCU. So it's, it makes it much harder to be invested in, in the story because you know, ultimately, no matter what happens at the end of this movie, we're probably never going to see any kind of continuation of it. So it's, you know, and I and, tr- and I'm really actually I was quite disappointed in Sophie Turner because I was really happy when she got cast for that role. I was pretty happy when they cast her as Jean Grey. I said, "Hey, that's a really good choice." But then I then now mind you, I have not seen X Men Apocalypse more than like I think one full time because it was just that painful to watch. Uh, mm-hmm. And because I, I didn't like uh, I didn't like Storm either. Uh, actually, I don't know if I liked anybody, anybody who any of the new characters that they introduced in that movie. It really was a, it really was a mess. It's like you just bring, you bring. I mean, they brought back uh, Quicksilver, and that's about the about the only thing of relevance. And, and like we said, Fastbender's good in anything. So I mean, fa- and Fastbender as Magneto is good. And that's one of the things. That's one of the things that'll be said. I mean, it's it'll. You can make the bookends and say, 
with him and McKellen and McAvoy and Patrick Stewart, the fact that we're probably going to lose <clears throat> all those characters, all those actors in their in in playing those two roles, that that's going to be the probably the saddest part. Of and you can make a case about Hugh Jackman, but he already he already retired supposedly. Uh, I still wouldn't be surprised. I still would be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if we get some kind of Wolverine cameo somehow, depending on what storylines they do. That you know, maybe if it's like yeah. you know, maybe, maybe again, it's like this multiverse kind of thing that at least you get a glimpse of him as you know a Wolver- a glimpse of him and Wol- maybe even maybe that's how we get our De- Deadpool and Wolverine thing, even just for a scene like in a multiverse thing when things are. But either way, it's for the most part. Yeah, none of this, all the stuff's not going to matter, so it's even harder. Just like if we're ever going to friggin' see New Mutants, which is probably even less likely that we're ever going to see that in the theater. And I have even less interest in seeing that movie. Right. Well, I mean, the uh, I, I just have no interest in, in the Marvel Fox universe anymore. I mean, I've got... I've got the entire MCU on Blu-ray on my shelf. I've got the entire DCU uh, on Blu-ray on my shelf in in terms of starting with Man of Steel and going forward. I've got DC TV on Blu-ray on my shelf. I've I've got, uh, you know, I've got that Superman box set. uh, But I I don't have the X-Men movies. I don't have any of the X-Men movies uh, on Blu-ray. I don't have Deadpool. I don't have – I mean, do I like Deadpool? Sure. But – I, I didn't bother to pick that up on Blu-ray. I didn't bother to pick up uh, any of the Fantastic Four stuff, even if it was like a, a combo pack and like a $5 bin. I didn't bother to grab it just to have it. So, I mean, at this point, I'm honestly just looking forward to the the, the, the Marvel Fox Universe dying to see if they come out with a Marvel Fox Universe Blu-ray box set. So I can just grab it all up at once. Um, supposedly... One of the more underrated and, and most successful things. I mean, of course, you can talk about your first class and, and your Days of Future Past. And you can talk about the, the first X Men movie and, and Deadpool and all this stuff. But um, evidently, like an underrated success, something that just people were utterly shocked by. The best thing Fox has going for them X Men wise is supposedly Legion. Yeah, I've never watched it, so I wouldn't know. No, but I've heard lots of great stuff about Legion. So if you're looking for good X-Men uh, stuff from, from Fox, evidently try out Legion. Uh, I just checked it out right now. I think it's got a 90% on Rotten Tomatoes. So, And an 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, but anyways, um, so Aquaman? Yeah. Um... I want to say right away, enjoyed it. But it did give me one concern, which is and that cons- and that concern is they didn't just make it a second trailer. They opted to include a almost a full scene from the movie in the trailer. I don't know much about film. I always defer to you on this, but something inside of me shriveled a bit at the decision to include a full scene in this second trailer. And why is that? I just I, something in me feels like they're they're trying everything to get people to see this film. That could be tr- and that could be true. A, a, a last ditch effort, sort of like that, does not bode well to me. Uh, again, the DCEU um, does not uh, have much goodwill to begin with, so obviously they need to do everything uh, possible. Uh, so maybe this is a move they felt they had to do. Uh, not based on the quality of the film they're trying to promote, but more the universe in which it operates. But the decision to include a full scene, I enjoyed the full scene, not a ton, but I did enjoy it. 
regardless, the decision to include it made me feel like, uh oh, I just something in the back of my head went, uh oh. And I'll tell you why. It's funny we mentioned Superman Returns earlier because I don't know how much you remember about the the promotion and stuff for Superman Returns before it came out. But do you remember they released a scene from Superman Returns before it came out? Was that the it was that airplane scene? I'm sorry? Was that the airplane scene? Uh, I believe so. Uh, it was the scene where uh, uh, towards the end, obviously, Lex is, is that island is growing. Uh, and he's heading out to sea. He's flying over the water. And as he flies over the water, he's he hears something. So he x-rays the ocean floor. He's, he's flying and he sees that crack in, in, uh, heading towards Metropolis. Okay. And he turns around, you know, and goes back to Metropolis. And glass is falling, so he x-rays it and turns it into sand and all this stuff. And stuff. Um, but uh, I remember that because... My dad and I had a bet at the time if if that scene was not was cut or not. Like, is this scene going to play out exactly how it shows in this release in the film, or did they cut out other scenes? It was just a, a, a bet as I I had with my dad at the time, uh, and obviously it wasn't. There was there was stuff in between the moments of that scene, but it just. <laughs> It was. I thought it was an odd move at the time, even as a kid, that they released a full scene before the movie even came out, and then to have the movie perform the way it did. Like I said, I enjoy lots of movies. It's a guilty pleasure movie for me. But even I, at the time, knew it wasn't a good movie. Uh, so the way that the, the idea that they would release this full scene before the movie came out, and then the movie tanked the way it did, and, and performed the way it did critically, audiencely, uh, with the audience, and so on and so forth. Maybe that's where that origin for that bad taste in my mouth when a scene is released before the movie comes out. I mean, it has been it has been done before, and it's up, and sometimes a lot of and even parts of trailers sometimes are just like one long scene, like the hol- like the Halloween trailer. The Halloween trailer was the second one was just one long that that's supposed to be one long shot, one take. That this when he bumps when he bumps into the kids and he goes down to the shed and gets the hammer above the stuff in the second trailer and all that stuff and then walking around to the other house and killing them. all that stuff supposed to be like one shot one take in the in the movie so it basically that is just one you know that's one scene but yes it's not the whole it's not it's only like about maybe like a third of the trailer uh, the Aquaman yeah this this does not this movie I mean it visually it looks fine. Especially this. Yes, it looks amazing. Yes, stuff in Atlantis, it looks it's, be- it's it looks beautifully put together. That's that's fine. That's I don't think anyone's going to question that. I don't care. Uh, I like Jason Momoa. He's not Aquaman. Even putting him into the classic costume at the end in a way, which is nice, but in a way it just com- it, it just re- reminds you even more that he doesn't look like Aquaman because. Uh, he doesn't act like Aquaman. He's just being like cool surfer dude, kind of like you know, being Jason Momoa, seemingly being, which is fine for being Jason Momoa, but he doesn't seem to be. He's not Aquaman. I don't like. Uh, maybe I'll be surprised with uh, what's her face's Mara, who I just went blank on. Jeez, um, oh, it'll hit me. Uh, almost there again in my head that maybe I'll be surprised with her I Patrick Wilson's good in everything so so I, he's kind of cool I, I kind of like the fact that Dolph Lundgren's like in two movies that come out like within like a month of each other 
because he's in this because he's in this movie and obviously he's in Creed. Uh, and I like uh, Tamara Morrison, so I think that's cool because he's about being his quote unquote dad, right? He's kind of like his dad. Uh, I it does nothing for me. I have no real desire to see this movie. I don't. I, it's going to be really interesting to see how this movie does at the box office because I don't know what, what the audience there is for it. I mean, I don't know if this is going to. I don't know. This is a real crapshoot. It's it's a real crapshoot because, I mean, is it going to do better than we expect? Because the character, most people kind of think the character is kind of like a laughing stock, and because Jason Momoa is cool, so they're going to be willing to give it a shot. Or is it going to be the opposite, where regardless of whether some people think it's a laughing stock, you know what the character is, well, you know what the character is supposed to look like and what he's supposed to be. And since Jason Momoa is so not it, is it going to turn people off? I don't know. I. I can honestly say I watched that extended, you know, the extended footage slash second, the second trailer, and it's like, wow, nothing for me. Does nothing for me, and right. so it's certainly didn't. It certainly didn't change my mind. Right, I, I've already made up my mind to see this film. Uh, visually, it looks. I just, I mean, I want to see Atlantis, and you know, I. Superficially, I love redheads, so you know there's 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 that draw for me too because you know Mara has always been a really cool character for me, and she's also doesn't hurt that she's played by an attractive actor. Amber Heard, um, that's the name I couldn't think of. Amber Heard. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean I'm I'm excited to see it, but this didn't sway me one way or the other. The only thing it did was give me slight trepidation at the decision to throw in a, a scene in the trailer. So. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a fair assessment. And last but and arguably least, uh, should we we decided we're gonna we should talk about the uh, <clears throat> the quote unquote news that James Gunn might be going over to DC Warner Brothers to do Suicide Squad two to at least write Suicide Squad two directing. I think it's still not. It's likely. But I, but I think the more straight rumor is that he's going to write Suicide Squad 2. Right. Uh, Dave Batista, of course, chimed in and said, where do I sign up? Please take him. Just take him. <laughs> just so we don't have to hear his bullshit anymore. It doesn't, at the moment, it doesn't even matter where they're – to me, it's not – it gets to a point where it doesn't really matter where you come down on the whole James Gunn thing. It's like the guy should just – if he doesn't want to be with Marvel, then fucking quit because I'm sure they'd be more than happy to let him go at this point. uh, David Ayer also tweeted and said, I think it's an incredibly brave and smart move by the studio. James is the right man for the job. Uh, And another thing I just want to want to mention it because I'm just now seeing it for the first time. Um, In response to Batista's tweet, we got another tweet from Michael Rosenbaum. Uh, You know who he is? Okay, I really like Michael Rosenbaum. He's got a a podcast called uh, Inside of You, Uh, and uh, it's I really I listen to every episode. I think he I think he's hilarious. He's uh, really honest about himself and his personal journey and his own uh, uh, inadequacies and stuff like that. But I really, but regardless, he said uh, sign me up too. So, well, what he's also known to be a very good friend of uh, James Gunn. Well, one of the rumors, of course, all these are just pretty much rumors until something's, you know, there's some dotted line signed. 
that some part of the rumor is that he is not necessarily tied to having to com- pick up with the same characters that we saw in Suicide Squad one. <laughs> Which one? Well, it is Suicide Squad. It hit. It, it fits the mold. the The team is not consistent. Right. It does change. So that is part. That is one of the rumors. So that. So that's why there would be some flexibility if he was going to bring in different characters and different things. So we'll see. I mean, it's a. Now I know some people. I watched entertainment wise in the industry, and I know some people are kind of like mixed about this. Whether it's a good move for for. for for deep for Warner Brothers, whether it's not, and some people have made the analogy, well, you know, the Joss Whedon thing didn't work out so well for them. <laughs> but to be fair, Joss Whedon wasn't also he wasn't also given the entire movie. No matter how much of that movie they reshot, he still was saddled with having to basically pick up the pieces of Snyder's movie. Not that it necessarily would have been significantly better, because you know I don't think Ultron is is anywhere near as good as the original Avengers. But you don't know. That's that's a question. That's that's a, that's an asterisk. Uh, I do think James Gunn would do is probably a better moving moving the personal stuff aside and and what baggage that potentially could be. Assuming which might not be, maybe it will be nothing. Assuming nothing else comes out, of course. <laughs> that's always the big. That's always the other thing. If another shoe drops, and and forget about it. But either way. James Gunn is probably a good move for them as far as what he could do for their properties. I don't know if Suicide Squad is where the – if I had my choice and put him on a project, I don't know if that's the first project I'd put him on, regardless of how – you know whatever analogy some people have made between Suicide Squad and, and Guardians of the Galaxy. The reality is if you have James Gunn, then considering how crappy most of your main DC movies have been, you might want to give him – if you're really committed to James Gunn, you might want to give him a better character. And a more important character, a more important movie to do. I mean, I, I shit. I mean, I'd rather him get Green Lantern Corps than Suicide Squad. <laughs> but, but, but then again, some people worry about all the super jokiness of of the way he does stuff. Is that gonna? Can that does tend to be a pattern in some in, in his movies? Not even go, just Guardians, because Slither was that way too. There's a lot of humor, so maybe. So a Suicide Squad that could work certainly. I don't. I don't know if it's going to work. It wouldn't work. I don't think it'll work as well in a Green Lantern Corps movie. You don't want. You right. don't want to make that a joke because because we've already been down that road when it wasn't supposed to be a joke, and became a joke. So I. I mean, we knew he was going to get a job. It, it, yeah, it's it's funny you mentioned Green Lantern Corps because uh, it, it's actually something I forgot about in our discussion with. Uh, about Venom, but I, I, it, because you mentioned Green Lantern Corps, I, I figure I should bring it up now. Now, obviously, the comparisons aren't exact, um, but me going into Venom and my thought of it, will it be better than Spider-Man 3 and having that low bar? And then in, it, not – obviously, the, my enjoyment of the Venom movie is not – solely or even half responsible for the the idea of is it better than Spider-Man 3, but it did play a a factor. So, do you think Green Lantern Corps may be a success, even if it's not that great of a movie, because some people, yeah, some people will go in going, well, if it's better than the first Green Lantern movie, it's a success to me. Oh, that's... I know you don't like this question because, you know, the, the idea that uh, the Greenland. Whenever we talk about the idea of Green Lantern being toxic and DC staying away from him, we always you always bring up the fact that it's been since 2011. It's been enough time. Get over it by now. But 
it's it's another wrinkle to this question we have to consider. Yeah, it's not, but yeah, I mean that is true. I do think. I mean, we we've seen bigger, stink, stinkier turds of a, of a movie or even in a in a franchise that you know people have moved beyond. Uh, and I think in a shorter time frame than than we did with Green Lantern, or certainly some have been in a shorter time frame. But no, my, the reason why I was thinking my reaction was less about that uh, kind of like the variation the Shatner thing get a life and move beyond it it's uh find that clip get a life no that the reality it's it's more that I don't know if that if if beating that bar is going to be enough I think if it I think if it's if people think it still sucks even if they acknowledge in saying that it, it's it sucks. It's better than the first one, but it sucks. That even if that if that's the general consensus, I just think it'll just kind of reinforce the fact that maybe this property is not worth doing and or it's never going to be done right. So maybe we should that that's I think that's what I would lean towards more if that if Green Lantern Corps was just a marginally more successful movie in the eyes of the Fans and the critics. Are, you, are we working on the assumption that it makes a significant amount, a significant amount of money more than the first, in in, in your comparison, or or more, but still not? Well, quite honestly, the 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 the, the money it makes is not really factoring into no, my just, question. It's the way the consensus opinion just, of the movie. Just audience reaction. If people come out of that film going. Well, I mean, if I were to really break it down, it wasn't really that wonderful of a film, but I had fun, and it was, after all, better than the first Green Lantern movie. Do you think it'll play a factor into how Green Lantern Corps is received? Yeah, I think it definitely would play. Uh, excuse me. It would play. It would, would play a factor. I think, in a way, it's kind of like. I think it's kind of like, in a weird way, it's kind of like Venom. It's kind of like the comparison between the first trailer and maybe the second trailer. Or what the expectations were for this movie versus what we actually got, as far as from the fans' perspective, because you kind of have that bar where people are going to be skeptical about Green Lantern Corps, assuming we ever get it, uh, because of the first movie. So it's gonna, a lot of it's going to revolve around who gets cast in the movie, who's making the movie, what it looks like, because we because we know much like that original teaser trailer for Venom people didn't like not not because of the special effects but how you know so more of the lack thereof the more that we didn't see really Venom enough to, to make it worthwhile that we know people did not like the first Green Lantern trailer and the special effects in it and that kind of and they were and that just petrified them and put them in such fear mode that they hid basically everything for like another six months so I think that it has to look good I think they're smart enough to know that uh, to know that, but we'll we'll see. I mean, I, I I still have no I have no confidence in what the hell they're doing because even the, some of the decisions they made. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Shazam's going to be fine. Maybe Shazam will be a surprise hit, but it's still an interesting way to go. Um, where where we stand right now with Shazam, I would tend to agree with you. I mean, well, uh, you you said. More of a hypothetical than you actually think it will be a surprise hit, but I tend to agree it'll be a surprise hit based on what we have so far. 
Well, there's obviously plenty of new information trailers, blah, 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 that can come out between now and its actual release date. But as we stand at this moment, I have confidence in Shazam. I don't know. I don't. I, I can't honestly say that I do. It's it's a much lower profile character, and it's got a much and it doesn't have a big cast. It doesn't have a, a draw. Um, I don't know. It could be. It it could it could hit. It could you know especially see that that's that, see that's a tough movie too because it. That's a movie where if the critics savage that movie, I don't know if that's the kind of movie that will can recover from that. I I mean Venom, Who? Venom had you, you know you knew Venom had a built-in audience to begin with, not 80 million built-in audience, but you knew it had a built-in audience and you knew it was going to do fairly well opening weekend regardless. The fact that word of mouth from fans was good, I think helped offset a lot of the the critic stuff and took it to where. It, took it to the level that it did I don't think certainly I don't think Captain Marvel has any kind of a following anywhere close to Venom I don't think I don't think it has a natural built-in audience which is gonna unless you want to say a natural built-in audience that somewhere like what around 30 35 million maybe no matter what it might open to that even if it's just because it's a comic book movie but if but if but, right. but if it comes out and critic and critics don't like and all the critics don't like it and even if some in the first wave of fan comments or reviews say it's not that good, I don't know. I don't think I don't think it can. I don't think things can fall into place and it can be successful. I don't think it can overcome too many negatives to it, while some other right. properties can. And Wonder Woman two, will, I'm sure Wonder Woman two will be make make money. That's not an issue. But everything else that they're doing, we still have no idea what the hell's going on with Flash. We have no idea what the hell is going on with uh, with, Bat- with the Batman. Is Ben Affleck coming back? Is he not coming back? Even if he is coming back to the DCU, is he going to be in that movie? Is it going to be a younger Batman? It doesn't. It, it's it's a mess. They don't. And another one we haven't heard anything about Cyborg. No, I think Cyborg is dead right now. They haven't officially announced. Oh, have they? Fi- I don't oh, they think they officially, officially okay. announced it, and I don't. But I don't. I'm, and I don't. But because it's supposed to show up in 2020, yeah, just like Green Lantern Corps. But, but I'm trying to remember if that's if that's off the release schedule. We'll have to look. We should go look to see if it's officially off the release schedule. Because don't because let's not forget Green Lantern Corps was never officially on the schedule. We just they just said they were aiming for 2020, and that was always I think the. June, the DC movie that was supposed to come out in June of 2020 was always believed to be Green Lantern Corps. But I don't. Th- Are we supposed to be getting a Lego Batman 2 as well? Some, some. Um, yeah. So, I. I think, yeah, it's a. I. Okay. Yes, yeah, so I, I don't think we're gonna. I don't. Yeah, I, this seems like the rea- the the studio for what they're not. They were not overjoyed about Cyborg. I must necessarily know if it was the act or what, Ray Fisher or whatever, or just the way he was. I think certainly now, right now, the pendulum is that he's not. He certainly. I I thought there were rumors that he might be in the Flash movie, but I. Well, yeah, because a lot of uh, it was an unexpected pairing that a lot of people yeah, seem to enjoy. I, One of the things people enjoyed about Justice League was Cyborg and Flash and their and their. Banter, chemistry, whatever you want to say. And I th- so I think that's the last thing that I heard that that he's his solo movies on hold, but he might show up in Flash. But then again, we don't know what the hell a Flash movie is going to be. 
Is it still going to be a version yeah. of Flashpoint? Is it not going to be a ver- – so it doesn't make – which is another stupid thing. Doing Flashpoint right off the bat never made any sense. Never made any sense. Well, you know what? I'll tell you what. The, the longer the Flash movie gets delayed, if the DCEU keeps like stutter stepping – because let's face it, it, that's what it is. At one point, we would have said failing, probably. But it, let's let's stay stutter stepping because then you get you get something fantastic like Wonder Woman, uh, you know, stuff like that. But if the DCU keeps stutter stepping and the Flash movie keeps getting pushed back further and further on the schedule, the longer it takes for them to do a Flash movie, and they then decide 110 percent they're going to do it, and they announce it, yes, it will be Flashpoint. Then I'm going to say Flashpoint is their way out. Doing deciding that the Flash movie has to be Flashpoint is them saying we now we now have recognized the error of our ways and have come up with a plan to fix our movie universe. Here's how we're gonna do it. They could doing it early is just is just doing it for fun. Doing it later. After stutter step, after stutter step, after stutter step, that's a that's a planned decision. Yeah, they could do they could go that route, even though the odds are they'll they'll still probably try to keep Gal Gadot. <laughs> yeah. And see, a lot of this and a lot of this might depend on a lot of this might depend on Aquaman too, because if if yeah. Aquaman does if Aquaman does not do particularly well, uh. And it's kind of hard to define doing particularly well at this point because it might be a financial success relatively, but but the fans may not love it and the critics may hate it. It could, so it could end up being kind of like with Justice. No, Justice League was more of a bomb, more like BVS. Could be more of a BVS where it made a lot of money, didn't make as much money as they hoped, and just and nobody and it just wasn't didn't really satisfy anyone. That if if Aquaman tanks, then my God, I mean it's like they pretty much have. The only thing that pe- people universally have liked from their movies has been Wonder Woman <laughs> as a character and in her roles in other movies. Wonder Woman is the only go-to thing people like. Uh, so it's it's going to be mm. a tough one to keep going with the same. I mean, whether Henry Cap and plus and and, and uh, also we they're still doing their thing. Aquaman has it will be coming out. Whether it fail or succeed. Shazam is already done. By the time Shazam is done, I guarantee and out. I guarantee you, this new Joker movie's already been completed. You know what I mean? Like so, so like they're they're not learning from their mistakes. And here. Wonder Woman is already filming, right? It's not done, but it's filming. It's either filming or re or or very recently done. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be getting close if it's not. But I, I just don't remember I don't remember reading anything that it, that it wrapped principal photography. But it's got to be getting close. Because I know there's a lot of news coming out about like you know of course they cast Cheetah and then um, Maxwell Lord is supposed to be a part of the film and so on and so forth. So it's it's got to be damn close to done if all this news is coming now, out. The one thing that gives them a little bit of a little bit of cushion. Is that these movies are supposed to be more solo movies, so there's yeah. less they're they're less force feeding the universe building that we got in the in the earlier movies. So now, and they're not jam forcing oh Justice League two down our throats where all these things have to connect immediately. So they do have a little bit of a cushion there. So if something, but yeah, but it's it's. How they're going to do this and how it's going to work? It, I mean, it's 
Because at the moment, all they have really is one really – something they can hang their hat on is Wonder Woman. That's all they really have. Justice League, I mean, certainly was – financially, that did really poorly. Certainly domestically, that was really bad. That right. and didn't that – it made like, what, 90, right? It made like nine. Uh, I, I honestly I don't know. Made like, I mean, opening weekend. I think it made like. I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna pull that up while we're talking. Uh, so they, so they don't have a, they do not have a lot of of leeway. So hmm. and they and they don't have they don't have a lot of goodwill. So what you know what are they gonna what can they do? Let's see. Uh, day, uh, weekend. Do 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 do. I'm going to look up how much Aquaman was made for. If you can find it, because they don't always tell you the budget. A ninety, a little under ninety-four million is what <coughs> Justice League opened up to domestically, and it made a grand total of two hundred twenty-nine million domestically, which is pretty bad. I mean, Aquaman film budget one hundred sixty million. Which means we know it's got to make what three hundred twenty. It's gonna have to make Good at God. least gonna have to make at least three hundred and twenty worldwide, which is not It's not impossible, no. no, no, no I know not, that. It's not it's not impossible. I mean, uh, let's see what because to be But that is a that is a big number to expect from a DCEU movie. Well, with only Wonder Woman as a, a huge success. Well let's see, just Justice League Worldwide made a, a, a little over a hair under six hundred and sixty million dollars. Worldwide. Oh, okay. So I'm I'm trying to look at I'm I'm looking at the DC extended U and I'm looking worldwide. See, this is why I rely on you for this stuff because I I assume making 300 million worldwide is a huge number to reach. No. But if Justice no, League makes no, made six, I, I, if I, if Aquaman does not make 320 million dollars worldwide, then it's a then it's a disaster. Uh, because looking at looking at the unadjusted numbers for everything in the in the in the DCEU, as we as we speak, these the Justice League, which is sad because it never should have been like this. Justice League is the 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 lowest grossing world mo- movie worldwide. That, that's six hundred fifty seven point nine million. That is the lowest, and the highest is Batman versus Superman, which made under eight hundred seventy three million point six. Right, well, because of the hype going into Wonder, it, for Wonder sure. Wonder Woman came close. It made eight hundred twenty one point eight. Suicide Squad, sadly, shockingly, made 746.8, and Man of Steel made mm-hmm. 668. Well, here, I'll say this for Suicide Squad. Do I like it? No. But that movie has more of a cult following than you'd think. Oh, yeah. It, 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 a lot of people like that movie. And it, to be fair, and and it made a decent amount domestically. It made three, talking about almost the number on the nose, what we were talking about. $325 million plus is what Suicide Squad made domestically, and the rest came from overseas. Mm. Now, 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 Man of Steel only made $291 million. Mm. So, uh, so, but if you want to look at it as a whole... On a- on average, of course, it gets skewed a little by Batman versus Superman. But on average, worldwide, all these movies in the DCEU have made have averaged seven hundred fifty three million point seven. So the odds are in favor that Aquaman's going to make money because all these movies have have kind of made money. It's just a question of so it's the question is how much money it's going to make. So I, I mean, look, if you're looking at it from a financial perspective, I'd say Shazam is the one that's less that is the least likely to make. Buku bucks. Hmm. I don't know what kind of. I don't know what kind of worldwide audience that's going to have. But Aquaman should make make bank. The question is, I, who who knows about that Joker movie? That's really shaky. 
Yeah. All right. Um, are we done for the episode? Yeah, we can because we are running late, which is which okay, is shocking. Uh, considering we figured we wouldn't even. We we figured getting an, even an hour out of Venom would be almost impossible. Um, well, I mean, I, I took the time to to reread like a, a a script recap and you know look into the source material and all that stuff. So I made a list of stuff I wanted to talk about, and I got one final thing on the list, and I think it's fitting for the end, especially if anybody's on the fence about going to see the movie. Um, I don't know about your showing um, because you saw it, you said uh, yesterday, Tuesday, right? Okay, I saw it opening night. Uh, and I've seen a lot of the MCU movies opening night uh, or, or opening weekend at the very least. I have never seen more character shirts worn in a showing of a film than I have with Venom. Don't get me wrong. Like when Captain America is out there or Iron Man or Thor, there's a lot of those shirts in the theater. But man, did I see a ton of of Venom shirts at the showing for this film more. I, I'm, I'm, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, obviously, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020 and all this stuff. But I, at the same time, like I'm pretty sure I've never seen more character shirts worn on an opening night than I saw the night I saw Venom. I can't say that, but again, I saw it during the, I did see it during the week. You saw it basically opening night, uh, yeah, unofficial opening nights that we get in these days. That I did see some people. Some people had venom had had venom shirts on. I didn't. I did notice that when I was in the lobby. Uh, so there was even a dude in my showing uh, who had the same shirt I had, which I was surprised. I was like, I'm going to be one of the only people. Where I'll, I'll be honest. I was like, oh, you asshole. <laughs> I was like, I wanted to be unique for half a second. So when I saw him walking in, I was like, man, I wanted to be the only one. Uh, <laughs> but I guess he got the Marvel collector core box too. Um, so, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take my, uh, 1994, uh, Spider-Man, the venom factor prose novel off the shelf and give that a dust off and a reread. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Mark, how do people reach us? If they want to talk about venom and what they thought when they saw it, or if they want to talk about the Dark Phoenix trailer or the Aquaman trailer or any of the above. They don't want to talk about us, Chad. <laughs> no, uh, lanterncast at gmail.com, lanterncast.com, uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, use hashtag GLCast to locate us on those. iTunes and Stitcher, whichever platform you listen to us on, please leave us a positive review. And last but not least, the old dusted off of We'd like to dust it off. It's getting quite thick, actually. Uh, the voicemail, 708-Lantern. 708-Lantern, and let us know what you think. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next time. And next time is, uh, what, Supergirl? Uh, maybe. Uh, we still have... Well, next week, actually, the final Green Lanterns comes out, doesn't it? Right, but on on Wednesday, whereas today, Supergirl 23 oh, just okay. came out. Yeah, so, yeah, off the... You have to throw that up. I've already put up. it on. I've already. Okay. I've already. Yeah. yeah. So we can do. We can do super. Yeah. We'll do Supergirl next week. That's Supergirl 21, 22, and twenty three, folks. If you're playing along at home. And then we'll. And then yeah. Then we'll probably probably do Green Lanterns, and then we'll move on from there. Uh. So yeah. All right, guys. We'll talk to you later. Good night, everybody. Good night. I got a song filled with shit for the strong-willed When the world gives you a raw deal Set you off till you Scream, piss off, screw you When it talks to you like you don't belong
but tells you you're in the wrong field when something's in your mitochondrial cause it latched on to you like knock knock let the devil in benevolent as I've ever been head is spinning this medicine screaming dick 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 medicine it dick dick like a salad bowl let your Allen Poe bedridden should have been dead a long time ago liquid Tylenol gelatin sneak my skeletons melting wicked I get all high when I think I smell the scent of elephant manure hell I'm in Kahlua screw it to hell with it I went through hell with accelerants and blew up my, my, myself again Volkswagen tailspin bucket matches my pal skin Merwin went from Hellman's and being real thin flavish scribble jam rap Olympics 97 freak Nick how can I be down mean bazaar in Florida Bruce room slept on the Florida motel then Dr. Dre said hell yeah and I got a stamp like a postcard what the mailman and I know they're gonna hate but I don't care I barely can wait to hit him with the snare and the bass square in the face this fucking world better prepare to get laced because they're gonna taste my I got that Get out of here, and I will. There's gonna be carnage. 